Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. This Sunday is the second annual National Cinema Day, where ticket prices are only $4 for all movies in all formats at participating theaters including AMC, Regal, Bowtie, Cinema Cafe, and Cinebistro. Last year, more than 8 million moviegoers bought $3 tickets on Saturday, September 3rd, but this year has been moved to Sunday and prices bumped up a dollar. Ice-T was funny because we're sitting there, we're actually at an actual bar, and at one point he looks at me and he goes, how'd you get hired for this? I auditioned. And he goes, yeah, but why'd they pick you to play a drunk? And I went, experience? That was guest number one today, Joe Heberly, talking about interacting with Ice-T on his Law & Order shoot. Joel's career in movies and TV has taken off since he's moved from Norfolk to New York, and we'll hear about some of those interactions on today's show. But it's also a double feature. The second guest is Adam Rosenberg, an editor and graphics motion artist whose work is genuinely quirky, unique, and impressive. He'll let us in on the background of his wacky work. Sifter Review of the Week Heart of Stone on Netflix. Gal Gadot plays an intelligence operative who's tasked with saving the world from yet another high-tech weapon. She's working hard to make a stand in the action arena, and as she runs continuously, there are some dazzling stunts and narrow escapes. The plot and the dialogue are average, so it's up to the characters in action to give it oomph. Gadot has the swagger to pull it off, and Jamie Dornan adds his appeal to the mix. While this attempt at a new spy franchise makes an adequate impression, it lacks sufficient originality or dazzle to make it stand out. I gave Heart of Stone three out of five stars. Let me ask you this first, because your name is Joel Haberly. Yeah. But I noticed on your website you have an umlaut over the A in your last name. What's that about? Uh, It's actually pronounced Heberly. Heberly, excuse me. Yeah. I've been mispronouncing your name all these years. When I left home many years ago, everybody mispronounced it. And I thought, I'm just going to say Haberly because that's the way it's spelled. Right. And when I went to Switzerland, uh, Heberly's a really common name over there. It's almost like Smith or Jones. Right. And it was the first time I realized there was an umlaut. And so I went back to pronouncing it the way my family has always pronounced it. So, yeah, some people know me as Haberly. Some people know me as Heberly. But it's correctly, it's Heberly. It's Joel either way. It's Joel either way. What made you think, hey, I want to be an actor. Maybe I'll get on camera. Maybe I'll do voiceover, whatever. I had no thoughts about being an actor. My my goal was to be a disc jockey. And I just thought that was the, the coolest job in the world. And I only really got around to thinking about being an actor after I left either voluntarily or by force from Studio Center uh, in Norfolk. I needed to find, I needed to figure out what I was going to do. And I knew a talent agent and I went to her and I said, I want to start acting on camera. And she said, you know, get some headshots, take this on camera class, et cetera. And so it started, kind of started there. And who was that talent agent? Was that somebody we know up here? Marty Terry. Of course, Marty. Yeah. 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 You started doing voiceover work down in Norfolk, right? Surprise guest drop in. Somebody actually dropped in from the radio world. Who is this? It's Rick Rumble. Rick Rumble. Footnote. Rick Rumble of Rumble in the Morning is a popular comedy radio show on WNOR FM 99 in Norfolk. How do you guys know each other? Joel drafted me into voiceovers when I got here to to, uh, Hampton Roads. Well, I've, I've lived all over the United States, but when I got to Hampton Roads, I really didn't have an outlet. And he was actively scouting, looking for talent and stuff, repping himself and others at Earworks. Footnote. Earworks has been a voice talent agency and audio facility in Virginia Beach for more than 30 years. 
he brought me in there and uh, showed me around and I learned a lot working with him. And what, <laughs> what I really learned was when we'd get together in these sessions, we would sometimes forget that someone else was paying us. <laughs> and, and We would talk quite a bit. <laughs> What's fun is I'll, I'll hear you in a television commercial and send you a note sometimes. It's like, dude, I didn't know you were doing blank. Or I specifically remember AARP. And you said, well, that's paying for my kid's college. So let's not touch that. AARP lasted five years. Great gig. I, I had nine spots running. We bought our house. These were just VOs, and and they ran for five years. And I have to say, when they ended, I just about died. I don't want to hijack your interview, Jerry, but I'm going to. Uh, I noticed uh, that, yeah. <laughs> Gee whiz, guess who else interviews people? Yeah, so right. <laughs> what effect has Fiverr and all of these uh, pay-to-play sites and guys that are willing to do uh, voiceovers for 50 bucks? What effect has that had on, on your voiceover business in general? Uh, probably quite a bit. I think the biggest thing that has affected it is the freaking pandemic. Because a lot of people didn't know what they were going to do, didn't have a job. Right. And they're like, oh, I'm getting a voiceover fairly inexpensively these days, right? Yes, yes. You know, all these people in the business, and they're willing to do it for practically nothing. I think that had a, a great effect. When I got up here, when I first got to New York in 2008, I was just looking for anything I could get. I was on, uh, do, you, do you know the show um, Celebrity Ghost Stories? No, never heard of <laughs> yes. that one. I was on his thing and I was this this ghost from Romania and it paid $50 at the end of the day cash. And I was like, yeah. Uh, and then and some, an IMDb credit. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. There's no IMDb credit. Oh, there's no credits? Oh. No. The legitimate stuff really started happening just a couple of years ago. And I, I just started to understand the business a little bit. Well, when I saw you holding up the end of the bar and interacting with Ice-T on Law & Order, chung chung. You know, the great thing about that was I had one line. Yeah. The director obviously liked me because he had me in the whole scene. Ice-T was funny because uh, we're sitting there, we're actually at an actual bar. And at one point he looks at me and he goes, how'd you get hired for this? And I go, I auditioned. And he goes, yeah, but why'd they pick you to play a drunk? And I went, experience? <laughs> <laughs> but that was cool. That's he, very cool. Listen, yeah. I'm monopolizing this whole thing. It was great seeing you again, Joel. Continued success. I'll Thank I'll you. chase you down on Facebook from time to time. Jerry, thanks for inviting me on. Rick, appreciate it very much. Good to meet you. Nice thanks, to meet Rick. you. Thanks, Rick. Thank Bye -bye. you. So what made you decide to move away from Virginia up to New York City? I actually was going to move up here in 2001, right after 9-11. And I came up here and I actually put money down in an apartment. And then I just, I chickened out. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I stayed in Hampton Roads, which was smart. Because beginning of the next year, I had quintuple bypass surgery and a stroke. Oh, wow. And if, I, and if I'd come up here, I probably wouldn't have had any health insurance or anything. And, and so finally, um, I just decided to make the move. Surprise guest drop in. Hello, Joel. Oh, is it Kara? Footnote. Yeah, that's right. Two drop-ins today. Kara O'Brien is a Richmond voice talent and actor. So, Kara, what's your relationship with uh, Joel? I met Joel a very long time ago in the late 90s when I first discovered Earworks Audio in Virginia Beach. And he just he just had so much natural talent just coming out of his pores. Thank you. I remember attending a couple of acting workshops with the TVI Actors Studio. And I came back from one of them and was telling Joel about it. And I said, you know, you should really check this out because I think you'd like it and I think you'd get a lot from it. The first one I went to was in DC and then I started going to them in New York. And that's really what got me up here because I, I went to, you know, one of these pay to plays where I met like three um, talent agents and one of them called me. And cool. so that's, really, that's what got me to move up here. 
whenever I, I see him on TV or uh, hear of his successes from different posts online, and it's exciting to see him uh, doing so well. He hasn't forgotten us little people. <laughs> That's right. Good, Kara. Thank you. Uh, I hope you're well. I hope you're not staying. I guess you're not staying busy because there's a strike going on. But I hope you're staying busy doing something. You're singing. I see. Uh, doing I music. See things. I see things on what Facebook. I guess um, postings yeah. for. It's just fun to watch you, Joel. So keep up the good work. Maybe one day we'll we'll share the screen. There you That'd go. be great. <laughs> Thank you, Kara. And how long was it before you got a, a real break? Actually, the big break was coming up here before I even lived here, and I came up here and I met these three uh, talent agents. And one of them wanted to meet me. And I came up here. I had walking pneumonia at the time. And so she said, well, what will it take you to come up here for a gig? And I go, uh, $1,000. She goes, how about 2000 I go, sure. That's a good agent. So, yeah. doesn't mean I was going to get the gig. Right. But it just meant it was I'd get the audition. So for a while, I was taking the Chinatown bus up here and get here at like 630 in the morning. Right. And hang out until my audition and then hop in the Chinatown bus at 5 o'clock and come back. And that was just brutal. Yeah, I'm sure. And there was a playlist. They were looking for somebody to play this like political muckety-muck in a show called um, One Nation Under. So anyway, I, I came up here and I got cast and it went really well. And so basically I went back to Virginia. I packed up my stuff. November, actually October 29th of 2008, I moved to New York. So let's talk about some of the things that you're working on. I know one of the most reasons coming up either right before or right after this podcast is you have an appearance on And Just Like That. And Just Like That, yeah. Footnote. And just like that is the reboot of Sex in the City on Max. Who are you on the show? It hadn't come out yet, so I can't identify. Uh, I'm playing a veterinarian. Yeah, and I, I have a short little scene. I mean, most of the work that I've been doing is co-star stuff. Right. And that means it's like, you know, day player, a couple of lines. And, and who did you actually get to work with from the cast? I got to work with uh, Sarah Ramirez. Who also who goes by Che on the show. Who goes by Che on the show. They are having an affair with uh, with Cynthia Nixon's character. Right. It's a great little scene. I'll tell you why. You never go into a casting director's office anymore. Right. You tape at home and you send it in. And I always try to, I've had great success with this. I always try to add a kicker at the end. And so I did and I got cast. And when I got to the set that day, we were actually shooting in a vet's office. The director comes up to me, he goes, I loved your audition. He goes, I loved what you said. He goes, we're going to leave it in. So that is great. A little ad lib that you stuck in there ends up being in the show. Wow. And what was um, the ad lib? I don't want to say. Oh, okay. You want to keep that. I'll just uh, say no. this. When you watch it, the last two words I say were mine. Oh, okay. There we go. Footnote. Since the interview, that episode has dropped and his last two words are a fun ad lib. Well, I know that you were also, I happened to see you. I was watching uh, Survival of the Thickest a couple weeks ago and yes. you popped up on that. Footnote. Survival of the Thickest is a Netflix comedy starring Michelle Buteau. How was working with Michelle on that? I didn't have anything to do with her. Oh, you didn't? Okay. What are one of the shows you worked on where you got to work with somebody famous? Well, Ice-T on Law & Order SVU, and I got to work with uh, Juliana Margulies. It's really weird being like a day player or like a co-star because right. you're walking into somebody else's world. Right. You're there for the day. They're they're a team. They're a group. They're a family. Sure. So you're, and you're kind of invading that a little bit. So you have to be confident and you have to like just not worry about it. Like casting directors will tell you this. Everybody wants you to do well. Nobody wants you to screw up. Right. Because if you do well, it just makes everybody look good. Sure. You know, it makes the process go faster. I'm sure you saw this because I reviewed it when I wrote my review of Up Here. Footnote. Up Here is a romantic musical series on Hulu. I mentioned Norfolk Native was in the show. How was working on Up Here? 
That was another instance of where I did a self-tape. And when I got to the set, the director goes, I loved your audition. So that was kind of cool. That was my first and so far only recurring. I was in two episodes. It was interesting because uh, we did one scene where everybody had to freeze. There was a camera that was doing like a, a circular thing around right. everybody, but you couldn't move. So I don't know. It was, it was, it was fun. You got to play the president in person of interest. Did they treat you any special or were you just another actor? You did some research. That was cool because that was directed by the guy who played Otter in um, Animal House. Footnote. The man who played Otter in Animal House is Tim Matheson, who's gone on to act and direct numerous TV shows. So that was cool. That was, I mean, that was a non-speaking part. So yeah, we we actually were not shooting it anywhere near D.C. or wherever. We were up in in an area of uh, north of New York City called uh, Mount Vernon East. It was pretty cool, the special effects of the car blowing up and all that kind of stuff. Now, I know earlier with Rick, we talked about uh, Law & Order, but you've been in The Blacklist, Manhunt, Gotham, all those classic New York crime dramas. What's the most fun about those, or what's the biggest challenge in being in those? Again, I would say that you're you're not a regular. Right, right. You're walking into somebody else's world. You just kind of have to ingratiate yourself. Sure, you know? yeah. And you do that by, by being prepared. When I did The Blacklist, uh, Andrew McCarthy, one of the original Brat Pack, right. he was the director. And he came up and he goes, said, hey, I'm Andrew. I go, yeah, I know you are. And he goes, you know, let's do a run through. So we did a run through and he goes, I think I need you. Like in that, if you've seen it, I start off by saying, hey, that wasn't in the script. He goes, say something to get their attention. And then after we got it done, he just goes, he goes, perfect. He goes, exactly what I want. We'll do it again. That's what's cool is when you get some really good feedback. So you're not doing any more commercials at all now. That's gone out of your life at this point? Actually, no. I was actually in Richmond last fall, maybe. I did a commercial for Virginia Lottery. Oh, cool. They cast it up here, which is great. Uh, I, I think sometimes people think because you're a New York or LA, you're a better actor. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Absolutely not true. There's a lot of good actors in Virginia. Absolutely. I'll have and to put a link on the webpage. We basically were these guys who we were like supposedly the um, advertising agency who's coming up with the ideas for, for the lottery. Like, what can they do to you know get more people to play? And they were thinking about having us be like, a series of spots, the, the same five or six people, however many we were, but nothing ever came of it. So have you had any funny encounters with someone when you weren't in a show? I ran into John Slattery one time. Footnote. John Slattery is best known as Roger Sterling, the boss on Mad Men. I was in a, a casting director's office and people have always said, oh, you could play like John Slattery's brother or something. First thing that but, went to my mind. Yeah. When you said that. So I walked up to him, you know, I said, I said, uh, I don't know if I said Mr. Slattery or John, you know, I said, Joel Herberley. He goes, hello, Joel. So people tell me all the time I look like you. And he goes, that's too bad. <laughs> and then the question I always like to ask everybody when you've got some time, which you've got a lot of time because you're on strike. What are you watching? I just finished watching The Bear. What'd you think? I loved it. You I must be the only person who doesn't. I just feel like it's, it's just unhappy people being miserable and yelling at each other all the time. I look at it from an actor's point of view. Right. The acting is amazing. Sure. The writing is incredible. And then the episode with the family. Yeah, you're right. I had to actually watch that in two parts because it was so, it was so bitter. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Jamie like, Lee was amazing. Jamie Lee was amazing. With uh, Pee Wee Herman just passing away, or Paul Rubens, the New York Times mentioned a show called Mosaic. Footnote. Mosaic is an HBO mystery series starring Sharon Stone and Paul Rubens. And it's a little it's a little murder mystery, and I've been through the two first two episodes of that. 
It's great to see you after all these years from way back in Richmond. And who knows, you're going to pop up in something I see soon. Thanks, Jerry. That was guest Joel Heberly talking about being on numerous movies and TV shows since he moved from Norfolk to New York. There's a link to his website and some of the shows we discussed on the page for this show at tvjerry.com. Now we switch gears completely to meet Adam Rosenberg, an editor and graphic motion artist whose work is genuinely quirky, unique, and impressive. So, Adam Rosenberg, it says on your email and your website, Mr. Adam Rosenberg. Are you just formal? What's with the Mr.? No, apparently there are a few other, at least one other Adam Rosenberg. No, there's a few because I, I know I tried a few domains. So, uh, tried Mr. It was available. It has a nice ring to it. But no, I'm far from formal. So, I consider it an ironic Mr. There you go. Well, we love irony. I, I have yeah. to say now, I've, of course, looked at your work and contacted you. And I think the first thing I said to you is, I think you're crazy, <laughs> which may have been the wrong thing to say because you're like, what the hell? But yeah, but I mean, it's wildly inventive, very technically incredible and definitely crazy and often funny. So how would you describe yourself as a film creator? You know, I, I make videos right. as, as a simple way to put it. Uh, I focus on comedy. I like the weird. I like the absurd. I'd like to experiment with with different formats and different mediums from, you know, live action, traditional filmmaking to digital animation and stop motion animation. But I think, you know, my head is definitely focused on the weird and the funny. And the naughty. And the naughty. Yeah, There's quite a know, bit of naughty I, in those. <laughs> I, that just kind of falls in with funny for me. Naughtiness is is comedy. Absolutely. Sometimes, but uh, yeah, I, I often forget that a lot of people don't feel that way. Where do your ideas come from? First, I would say weed. And then I think maybe more, more like acid because <laughs> you've got like a drummer using Chicken drumsticks, you've got a mouse coming out of somebody's fly, more of that nasty stuff. Somebody skating on somebody else. Somebody wakes up with a toothbrush in their butt. Come on, Adam, where did this stuff come from? Yeah, I like that kind of drug culture and drug humor and a lot of artists who kind of maybe are, are live in that world. And so a lot of that kind of humor and a lot of those, you know, videos and artwork really inspire me. I don't know where they come from. Okay. I noticed on some of the stuff, some of the motion graphics examples, if there's a, a spot or something, I don't know if it was an actual TV spot, but something for Allbirds and Sawyer's Bologna, Sawyer's Bologna, excuse me, uh, <laughs> a Southerners. Um, so how do you make your living? Is that what you do? Do you do commercial work? Is that what you do to make your living or how do you earn the bucks? So the Allbirds piece, that was just kind of on spec. I uh, wanted to do a stop motion piece with chunks of wood. And I had the idea of an exploding chunk of wood. That wasn't commissioned by them. That's just something you... No, I, I certainly, you know, sent it to them and say, what do you think of this? And didn't get a response. That was maybe a fingers crossed. That'll maybe right, something right. will happen. But I enjoyed making that. And I learned a lot by making that spot. The Sawyer's Bologna, that's a completely made up brand. I just wanted to do an animation with bologna. The material <laughs> seemed, seemed ripe with artistic potential. But how do I make my living? No, um, it's it's mostly post-production, so animation and editing. Commercial clients or corporate clients or? A little bit of everything. I don't think anything's ever made it to broadcast. You know, I, I did work briefly at the Martin Agency right after college as an assistant editor. So, of course, that was for broadcast. That wasn't, you know, my work. <laughs> Footnote. The Martin Agency is the prominent ad agency in the area with such clients as CarMax, Geico, Old Navy, and UPS. I moved back to Virginia last year, and so I've been kind of growing my network to, to do more production work. Speaking of back to Virginia, and you mentioned the Martin Agency. Surprise guest drop-in. Hello. <laughs> hey, Mark. What's hey, up, man. dude? Footnote. Mark Myers is a video editor and music producer living in L.A. I don't think I've seen you in like 10 years. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. How, do you, how do you know each other? I'm going to say we're in the trenches together early on. Uh, we were both at the Martin Agency and um, gosh, kind of both came up as 
assistance and trying to work our way, figuring out how we could edit, how we could get involved. And um, a lot of hours together, I would say, um, supporting other editors and trying to figure all this stuff out early on. And you got any good stories? With, uh, <laughs> yeah. Somebody farted in the edit suite or something? Right. Well, that definitely <laughs> happened, I'm sure. Awesome. Uh, but no one claimed it. Um, but yeah, I think the thing I was thinking about with him is when you first came on and how normal we thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> just how quiet and kind of reserved he was. And I was, I remembered one of the things that first told us that he had, there was a lot more creatively and things going on was, do you remember those portraits we took as like assistants and editors it was like me and you and Proctor? Yeah, and yeah. But I remember like that kind of the juxtaposition and realizing like you being really kind of quiet and reserved, at least to us, maybe different to your friends and things, but uh, yeah. how like animated you were in that picture. And it kind of showed us like that first thing of like, oh, there's a lot more here, you know? And then we yeah. started to see some of his work and they were always like quirky or weird or just had like kind of his style to it. And as I've followed him through the years and seen him still doing stuff, it kind of I kind of see that from him, like that same kind of style and quirkiness that keeps developing and is really interesting and different than what most people are doing. Yeah. Well, hopefully this is sort of um, a catalyst to maybe make a little more effort for because you're in Boulder. Richmond. You're in Richmond. How long have you been back in Richmond? Almost a year now. Okay. And you were in KI too, right? We both went through KI. Yeah. Footnote. KI is short for kinetic imaging, which is the department at VCU that emphasizes the artistic use of media. By the way, I have a podcast with a faculty member from the program, Ty Rubin Ellison, and I'll include a link on the webpage for this show. But yeah, we, we both kind of came from the same program yeah. too, which I think also kind of baked some of the quirkiness and let us do some of the weirdness versus being like film and taking a track that was more like cinematic and stuff. This was like, you kind of do everything and it, and then brings like the animation stuff. I, I know we were both kind of into and all that kind of together. Well, Mark, yeah. I want to thank you for dropping in at this. It's kind of early for you, isn't it? You're out in LA. Uh, yeah, not too bad. 1030, 1045 now. Yeah. But so happy to do it. This was such a great opportunity to come surprise and see him and like I said, I hope we'll kind of launch us off into maybe communicating a bit more and uh, reaching out, maybe working on something in the future. Who knows? You know, you look yeah. awesome, man. Great to see you. Thanks. You too. All Thanks, right. Mike. Later, guys. So now you mentioned stop motion and you also mentioned pixelation. What is it about those types of work that you like as opposed to computer generated? I, I really like love those because they're they're real. You know, I, I feel very comfortable on the computer, just the, the amount of control and precision that comes from that. But um, I also really enjoy making things with my hands that exist in the real world that you can touch and move around. And, you know, I get tired of looking at a damn screen all day. So it's, oh, it's yeah. lovely to uh, to make real things and then to make those real things move and combine, you know, making physical things with digital computer-based animation. You know, the, the imprecision in stop motion, those the mistakes really give it life and character. Good point. Um, and a lot of digital animation, I, I feel, feels kind of stale and, and robotic and how, you know, perfect it is. I find a lot of times, even with digital animations, I'm trying to add imperfections and subtle inconsistencies that make it feel more real. So he mentioned the alphabetical, and I was going to ask you, I don't even know how to pronounce that last word. What is that <laughs> and what was the concept behind it? Yes. Yeah, so the project is called Alphabetical Athleticals. It's not that hard. Yeah. Once you hear it, it's like, okay, yeah, that's what it is. And it is a stop motion exploration of all things sports from A to Z. And basically for every letter of the alphabet, I've written a silly made up sports themed scene with two or more words that start with the same letter. For example? A is arthritic arm wrestling. B is <laughs> butler boarding. C is cat curling. Etc. So there's right. these short 10 to 30 second scenes depicting 
uh, you know, these made up sports. And eventually they'll all be strung together into one short film. These are all made stop motion with human actors. So people are familiar with stop motion animation, take, um, you know, stringing photos together to make animation. A lot of times that's done with puppets or clay. People think of, you know, Wallace and Gromit or The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so it's, it's similar, but it's much larger scale and much more difficult because people are hard to, to move precisely. And then I looked at Huevos, which is not quite wacky. It's, it's your first, well, at least the first that I saw with real people dialogue, kind of like a traditional short as opposed to something. What inspired you to do that? And why did you want to tackle that instead of staying with the crazy stuff? One of my really good friends was a really talented director of photography, Buddy Thomas, and he and I just kind of hit it off creatively. Um, but Huevo specifically, that was a script that a friend of mine wrote, a really talented guy named Jason Gudis. Not quite as wacky and in your face as, as a lot of things, but still funny and dark. There's some weirdness in there for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, on your website, first thing you see is your head with various hairstyles. I see a couple of wigs behind you there in the shot. So how did you do that? Because it's pretty amazing that you've got all these different hairstyles and you're spinning around the whole time. You know, I grew up my hair, you know, maybe shoulder length past my shoulder and it felt, uh, you know, it's a big deal to cut it all off. It was, I was ready to cut it off, but I wanted to do it in a creative way because, oh, uh, you know, okay. and, you know, had the idea just to see how many different wacky hairstyles we could achieve. We being me and my wife was, was my hairstylist. So trying to, you know, get gradually shorter and gradually be more hairstyles. So I think almost had 10 different hairstyles. Yeah. Um, and so she did actual dreadlocks too in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we we I we do one hairstyle and I had a little station set up in the garage, you know, the backdrop with lighting and uh the spinning part I have a it's like a lazy susan. A little turntable. Um yeah, yeah turntable. Lazy susan is it's just sounds so so wrong. So wrong. <laughs> Poor Susan. I feel for her. Yeah. And you know, I had outlines for my footprints. So that it's just a matter of, you know, doing it exactly the same way each time in the same location where nothing changes. So you get a hairstyle stand on the turntable, spin around a few times, shoot it on video, go back, cut the hair again, a different hairstyle, come back, film it. And, but I'd wear these hairstyles for a few days before it, what didn't happen all at once. The whole process maybe took three weeks. Um, yeah. And then eventually you have all these videos of uh, me spinning with different hairstyles and you just edit them together. And it just looks like the hair is just kind of popping into different styles. The last question I always like to ask everybody is when you got the time, what are you watching? Lately, it's been The Righteous Gemstones. Great show. Um, yep. There's some Black Mirror yep. and um, Planet Earth. Those are, those are probably the three in, in the top rotation. Well, Adam, I want to thank you so much. This has been great fun and welcome back to Richmond. And I'll look forward to seeing your next zany video. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate it. That was editor and graphic motion artist Adam Rosenberg, whose work is generally wacky and wonderful. There's a link to his website on the page for this show at tvjerry.com, and it features most of his work to watch for free. Coming soon in theaters. Gran Turismo, based on the true story about a young gamer who ends up in the pro racing circuit. Bottoms, two teen girls start a fight club to attract their crushes in this reportedly raunchy comedy. Golda, Helen Mirren plays Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir facing the challenges of the Yom Kippur War. Retribution, 
Liam Neeson is taking his two kids in the car to school and finds out there's a bomb and they can't stop. The Hill, from the writer of Rudy and Hoosiers, comes a new sports drama about Ricky Hill's improbable journey to play Major League Baseball. Day by Day, The Rise, yet another sports story, but this is a documentary about Tom Osborne's coaching of University of Nebraska's football. The Dive, two sisters go scuba diving and one gets trapped below. TV and streaming. A murder at the end of the world on Hulu. Emma Corrin and eight other guests are invited to the retreat of a billionaire Gen Z hacker when a murder happens. One Piece on Netflix. A young man sets off to become King of the Pirates based on the best-selling manga series, but this is live action. Snoopy presents One of a Kind Marcy on Apple. One of Peanut's lesser-known characters gets the spotlight. Transfusion on Hulu. Sam Worthington stars as yet another Special Forces agent who must take on the underworld to save his son. Wayne Shorter, Zero Gravity on Apple, a three-part series about the jazz musician's life. Who is Eric Carter on Netflix? A British teacher in Spain finds her life threatened after she witnesses a robbery. Next week, I'll catch up with B.K. Fulton, founder of Solidify Productions, and we'll hear about the upcoming movie he's involved with, as well as the new version of The Wiz. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.